Well, welcome to Welfare and Warfare, where we're just trying to help Christians particularly um, think through what it is to look after their souls, keep their souls well um, in the reality of um, uh, warfare, spiritual warfare, Christian warfare. Um, obviously, we've been a, a awakened to the need to keep a good eye on ourselves over the uh, over the pandemic um, with various pressures and restrictions and uncertainties um, at the door uh, meaning that we will trying to we will probably find ourselves a, a, a more and more aware perhaps than in normal life of the need to keep a good eye on, on things um, but it actually is always the case it's always true um, so, but seasons like this can help to wake us up if we've got a little bit sleepy. So we've looked at the conscience, we've looked at um, anger and offence. Uh, hopefully they were helpful. Um, this time I want to look at the subject, particularly of temptation. I don't think it's something that we talk about loads. I, I think that I think it's something we should talk about a lot more. Uh, I think the Bible talks about it quite a bit, um, and it's you know it's. It's it's real. It's something that Jesus experienced. We're told in the book of Hebrews that he was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. And I guess you could take that in two ways, yet without sin, in, in the sense that he didn't sin. He didn't give in. He didn't give way. Hallelujah, which, which means that he went to the cross as a spotless lamb without blemish, which was, was all an essential part of atone atonement doctrine a lamb without blemish um but it could also mean without sin it could also mean because he didn't have a sin nature he wasn't fallen so even though he was tempted in every way in terms of external kind of uh, things the, the devil that we obviously read about in the early chapters of the gospels where he's in the wilderness and the devil's tempted him in very real ways you know these were these these were not uh, small things but then also you know the, the temptation which was clear i think in the garden of gethsemane before the cross we're saying not your will, not my sorry, not my will, but your will be done. Where well, he's he's tempted to, he's got his his own his own will in that sense. Something at that point in his human will is saying, I don't want to go through this. I was tempting to go his own way. He says, not my will, but yours be done. Um, so he was tempted, but 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 there wasn't the principle of indwelling sin with Jesus. You know that he wasn't fallen. Um, and so in that sense, you know, he knows exactly what it's like to be tempted in every way. There's no kind of temptation that will come your way, whether it's pleasure, uh, whether it's uh, power, um, you know, whether it's um, money. Um, there'll be no, nothing that, 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 that comes your way that he himself has not experienced and come through. Which brings us obviously immense uh, comfort. But the, the Bible has a lot to say about uh temptation and the reality of it and and really how to understand it and I, I don't think I understand it perfectly at all I think I've got a long way to go uh, on that but I think that you know let's start in the Lord's Prayer our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and uh, deliver us uh, so give us our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. So it features in the Lord's Prayer. It's an important thing to be praying regularly. Lord, lead us not into temptation. 
there's a humility in it. There's a humility which says there are things which, it, which if they came my way, would trip me up. There are things for my current level of maturity and godliness and Christ-likeness that if they came my way, would get the better of me. And so I'm praying, Lord, please don't lead me there. Don't allow me to hear those things, see those things, experience those things. Don't allow those things to come too close to my door. Um, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on uh, my loved ones. Lord, have mercy. You know, because you're saying, Lord, I recognise that there is something in me. There's weakness in me. There are desires in me the uh, sinful desires that and uh, and they're real you know the bible says that the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh the, these desires are in opposition to one another when you're a believer you have in that sense you have the spirit and the flesh and you have this new heart given you by god where you want to do the things of god that's the core of who you are that's the miracle of regeneration being born again that you more than anything else you want to please jesus that was never there before you know that's that shows you're born again you 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 love the light more than you love the darkness and uh you know you 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 want to know him more than you want anything else these are evidences that you are born again but the desires of the flesh are real the desires of the flesh are very very real we some of us really do we really long for um Sexual adventure, or should I say sexual misadventure, things that we know God pr- prohibits is it's not going to bring any life. It will leave you an empty um, shell of yourself. It will leave a trail of destruction. It's not going to bring all that anything that it promises. And yet, nevertheless, we feel the, the pull of those things in a very real way that the battle's real. Others of us, it's, it's the, the, long, the longing to be in control and to feel powerful and to feel like you know, the people in our lives would do what we want them to do when we want them to do it. Uh, and that they will get in line. And, you know, um, that's that's the thing that, you know, we even though we sort of know that, you know, we're not God, only God is God. And, you know, people don't belong to us. They belong to him. Nevertheless, in us, there's this there's the fixation. There's a desire. There's a, something you have to keep a really close eye on where we want to we want to control people. You know, others of us, it's money. We, we, we you know, we know that. Uh, money can't buy us happiness, but we don't really know it. You know, we know it, but we don't. We we kind of keep telling ourselves and we, you know, we, we try to be faithful with our money and godly and generous and sacrificial. And yet there's this pull on the inside saying, hoard it up, hoard it up, gather, 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 more, more, more. Just keep, come on, build another barn, put more in. Um, and, and there can be all kinds of arguments that come with it that sound so reasonable. But at its heart, it's the love of money. You you love money and you love buying stuff and you just want more and more stuff. You know, these are just some of the, you know, the big, there's so many things underneath. There's so many details of these desires, so many things that I haven't gone into. But the reality is it's a, it's a war zone. And um, and James, he recognises, and maybe we'll use James as the as the main verse uh, for this. And as we think about our welfare, our welfare in this season, we gotta we got to think through... Um, what, where am I being tempted? Where's the temptation there? Praise God, sometimes there are seasons where it just feels like that stuff abates somewhat. You know, it kind of, you know, the tide goes out a bit and you feel, oh, you know, few a bit of breathing space. There are other seasons where it doesn't doesn't feel like that, you know. And um, I think particularly when the pressure's on, 
you can feel tempted to escape, escape into stuff or run, run away, disengage, you know, do stuff that, you, you know, instant pleasure, even though afterwards kind of months of regret, that that's the very real temptation. So we, I'm trying to help you understand how it works so you, we can, we've got a better chance of doing well. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he's tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Now, <coughs> we know that the devil himself is involved in temptation there in the Bible. He's called the tempter. We know that. And, and James isn't denying that. But James, James is saying, actually, you know, the biggest problem, the biggest issue going on, it's not God. Certainly not God. But it's not even the devil, even though he's involved. It's your own sinful desires. Those are the, those are the, you want to know what the biggest problem is in all of this? It's these desires in you, in, in your flesh. And, um, and when the Bible uses this, this word flesh, most of the time, particularly Paul's writings, where he talks about spirit and flesh, Galatians, Galatians chapter 5. He's not talking necessarily about your physical body. That could give the impression that the body's bad. The Bible never teaches that. But it's talking, it's talking more about that kind of natural life, just the life, human life outside of God. Um, human life with no reference to God, doing our own thing. That's the kind of um, image summed up um, by the flesh. It's kind of human life cut off from God. Where do we go when we're cut off from God? What sort of things do we get into? When we're cut off from God, what are our what are the dark desires that are in there? James is saying those things there are the problem, and so the first thing to do is to just recognise I have evil desires in me, and it doesn't mean I'm not a Christian. You know, I love the verse Galatians five six verse I think it's verse sixteen which says that he who he who I'll read it I'll get it right let's read it word for word. Galatians five verse sixteen, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify. The desires of the flesh. You'll still have them. But you won't gratify them. There you go. So you still experience temptation. Even if you walk by the spirit. Temptation will still come your way. Still knock at the door. But you won't open the door. And give way to it. And gratify those desires. You see. And so James is saying. You've got these really strong desires. And you wake up to it. Acknowledge it. Own it. It's a fierce battle between the spirit and the flesh. These desires are in you. You can't blame the devil. Okay, they're in you. And that's really important to just start there. Sometimes we can become so respectable, you know, that we kind of, we're not honest and open about the situation, about what goes on inside of us. We don't have anyone that we can speak to our evil desires about. We don't tell Jesus and we don't have a trusted one or two brothers or sisters that we can really be open with. That's a real mistake that leaves us vulnerable because you're, you're basically living, you end up living a lie. You don't, you, don't, you don't have anywhere where you can just lay it out and say, look, this is where it's at. This is what's going on. I'm burning up on the inside with this stuff. This stuff's really, really at me. And, you know, it's, it's so important that we just come be upfront and honest um, about that. We recognise that. And it's interesting in that James passage, it's blessed is the man who is steadfast under trial. There's some, so this, I want to talk to us about steadfastness in temptation and what that looks like. I'm going to go to a well-known passage in, in the first letter to the Corinthians uh, Chapter 10. It's really, really uh, important. Let me just find the right, the right verse here. So he, he says, 
1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape. But listen, the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. It's fascinating. There's so much in that one verse there. So when temptation comes, number one, know this. Know this. Others have and are and will experience the same thing. It's common. Because you can get yourself, one of the ways people can fall into sin from temptation is going, oh, no one knows what this is like, man. This is like so unique, what I'm going through. Wow. You know what? If people knew how strong this was, they, if God knew how strong this was, he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't sort of uh, chastise me for it. It's just, no, 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 no. Listen, no, that's, <laughs> unfortunately for, for, <laughs> for us and our excuses, that's not the case. Um, no temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man. We're all in the same fight. We've all got the same flesh. We all have the same desires. And even though they kind of differ slightly from one of us to the next, when you lump us all together, you know, we're, there's way, we have way more in common uh, than, than what separates us. So we say, number one, just recognise that. Don't put yourself in a different category in order to kind of excuse yourself in a kind of a sinful way. Don't do that. That's a wrong way of thinking. That's, that's crazy. Um, you know, that's, uh, it's untrue. And it won't serve you at all. But he says, listen, God is faithful. And I want to ask you, do you believe this? God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. And we can tend to think, you know, do you believe that? You think, how do I beat these desires by the Spirit? How do I beat them? What does that mean by the Spirit? It means that by the power of the Spirit, you believe the promises of God. That's what it means. You believe the promises of God. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1 that God has given us these very precious promises that we might live godly lives and overcome evil desires. It's through faith in his promises. So the promise here is God is faithful and won't tempt you beyond what you can bear. No matter what you feel, you've suddenly been plunged into. Let me tell you now, God is faithful. He knows you better than you know yourself. So you can't suddenly say, no, God got it wrong. And, you know, I can't deal with this. No, it says, number one, he's faithful. And therefore, he won't let you be tempted beyond what beyond your ability but with that temptation he is going to provide the way of escape he's going to provide a way that you may be able to endure it so the way of escape doesn't mean it's going to stop straight away it's going to mean that as james said you're going to be able to be steadfast and endure it the word endure means to bear up under you're going to be able to bear up under this particular temptation when you when you believe that God is faithful, believe he's provided you with the way of escape and embrace that. Sometimes the way of escape is, that you, is accountability. You talk to a dear brother or sister. Sometimes you know, a way of escape is that you actually just take it seriously and stop, um, stop making excuses for yourself. Sometimes a way of escape is that you're just brutally honest with yourself and stop deceiving yourself, you know. Sometimes the way of escape is that you get prayer, prayer ministry where God just, just comes in power and suddenly just, you know, just you just feel, I don't know what happened there. There's something, I was just freshly filled with the Holy Spirit and man alive. Okay, all right, I know what to do now. Sometimes the, the way of escape, you know, is just certain promises in the scripture. I knew of a friend who had a real serious struggle with a particular sin and he just went through a season of, 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 of you know, instead of being general and generic about God's promises, actually really 
digging into ones that were very specific to his issue and using them in warfare. Sometimes, let's just be honest, we don't wage warfare. We expect God's going to do it for us and we sit there and we wonder why we get battered. We don't pick up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We don't, or, or, or if we do, we kind of half-heartedly quote, quote these scriptures whilst on our way to giving in to the sin rather than saying, no, I'm not going to, this will rob me. I'm not going to give way to this. We, we, our, our, we don't engage our will. We don't engage our desire for God and for the kingdom and for fruitfulness. We just, we let ourselves get blindsided. There's so many different things that go on here. Um, and the other thing says is that desire is desire. So one of the main reasons we don't beat sin is because we love it. Just got to be honest. We hate it, but we love it at the same time. I want to do it. There's a part of me that really wants to do that. It may not be rational. Sin isn't rational. Sin is crazy. I mean, sin is so destructive. Sometimes the things that people do in life, you know, they spend decades building a good legacy and then they just blow it with this crazy thing. Sin's crazy, man. Sin's irrational. Sin is, you can't reason with it. You can't befriend it. You can't accommodate it. You can't give it an inch. It will take a mile. The sin indwelling you in your heart wants to do it. So you've got to be able to say, man, I've got to pull on the desires of the spirit. Seriously, get a hold of this thing. Otherwise, I'm not going to do well. I'm not going to be steadfast. I won't endure. I'll just give way. I'll just give way. And, uh, you know, the Lord wants to encourage us in these matters. And say, you don't need to. Now, you see, John says in his first letter that all of us have sin. And if any of us, of us say that we don't, we're just lying. The truth's not even in us. You, you know, if you say you haven't got any sin, well, that just shows you're not even a believer. The truth's not in you. An essential part of getting saved is recognising, man, I'm a sinner and I need help. Okay? But then even though we get born again and we become saints, we're saints that still have indwelling sin. John is writing to believers when he says, you have sin in you. And so we kind of have to reckon with that. We have to kind of wake up to that. What we don't want to do is kind of get the wrong impression that we're still sinners in that sense that we were like before we were born again. Because then you, you just basically set yourself up for a fatalistic, well, of course I'm going to fall into sin. I'm a sinner. No, you're not a sinner. You're a saint. You're brand new. You've got a new heart. You've got the power of the Holy Spirit. You've got new desires. But you do still have sin. And so you have to reckon with it. You have to reckon with that, which is that principle of sin, which, which, which remains. It will never be completely ejected from you in this life, which is why in this life you have to be sober and alert, but confident, not in yourself. Oh, goodness me, not in yourself. Confident in him. Confident in his power. Confident in his kindness and his goodness in his mercy, in his faithfulness. Confident, but you've got to engage. You have to engage, you have to engage in the warfare that's ever so important. We'll do a session on that to help people think through about the armour really carefully. But if you just recognise the reality of temptation, you build into your prayer life when you go through the Lord's Prayer, build it in, Lord, keep me from it, don't lead me into things that are too much for me, and then you know have accountability in your life. And then keep your eye on things. If you know you're going, you're heading down somewhere, you know, in your thought life or even physically down a certain street or something. And you know down this road, 
whether mentally or physically or relationally down this road is temptation. If I go down this road, I'm leaving myself vulnerable. Don't go down the road. Don't tell yourself you can. Don't tell yourself you'll be all right. Don't ever argue with yourself. If you start arguing with your conscience, that's how you mess up your conscience. That's how you defile it. That's how you um, sear it. Don't do that. When you your conscience is saying, hey, you know what, let's not. Don't, don't even go there. Maybe you're up late at night and you're bored, but you can't get to sleep. And you know that for you watching TV at night, some of the stuff that can be on TV, whether it's kind of like porn or just certain themes that just kind of mess with your soul, then when you pick up the remote control, your conscience starts saying, hey, come, what are you doing, man? Listen to it. Listen to it. Build a good legacy. Because what happens is over time, what happens over time is you start building habits. And habits are powerful things. And so many of us have brought ridiculous, uh, powerful, but not life-giving habits into the Christian life. So many of us have. All of us have. And, and a large part of the Christian life is dropping them and building in new ones that bring life, that bring joy, that bring peace, that bring fruit, that bring a brilliant legacy, that bring joy, that bring close walk with God and a sense of his kind of nearness and fellowship that he is, you know, that he's happy and at peace dwelling in your heart because of just the way you're, you're honouring his presence that indwells you. It's a wonderful, beautiful, powerful thing. We build in these new habits. It's such a great uh, thing for us to, to recognise and, and to take really, really seriously. As we do so, we will become steadfast. We will become steadfast people. Now, that's not something that's particularly celebrated in our in our world. Oh, wow, they're steadfast, you know, um, because it's not very sexy. Do you know what I mean? It's not very snazzy. It's not very, you know, glamorous. But I'll tell you what, steadfastness is probably one of the most kind of undervalued uh, and underestimated uh, qualities and virtues and fruit of the Holy Spirit. We build it into our life. We, we become people that aren't blown around this way and that we're not blown around by everything that comes our way you know we've built things in we've built habits in we've reckoned with the reality of sin and temptation and the, and the devil we're not focused there but we're we're, we're aware we're aware of it and there's a kind of a watchfulness and just an awareness of that we're listening to our conscience so we're starting to put this picture together of, of welfare things that will keep us keep us good and you know you know i will just maybe end by saying that sometimes the things that trip us up can be the weirdest strangest things and the things that even can be a bit embarrassing to admit to or think of but they could just latch latch on they just get a hold inside of us for whatever reason um but that um you know to admit that is humbling but um to not admit it and then fall by the wayside because of it at some point that's humiliating. Much better to be humbled than humiliated. Much better to just go, do you know what? I'm a bit weak there. You know what? I struggle there. Put things in place. God won't despise that sort of humility. The Bible says that God gives grace to the humble. He'll give you a load of grace, shed loads of grace. So I want to encourage honesty. I want to encourage a kind of godly kind of humility. I want to encourage taking the fight seriously. I want to encourage all of these things. And that you know, as we do these things, that God will give immense amounts of grace to us 
in it. The Bible says he resists the proud. If we kind of refuse to reckon with what he's teaching us and relegate it into some kind of you know back cupboard of our soul and our heart, there's a pride in that. God will sort of, in his kindness, he'll stand against you in, in, the, in that particular way you're approaching that, resist you. Why? Because it's not going to produce any fruit or any life. It's going to trip you up. So you'll sense him, him resisting you in that because he's a good dad, he's a good father. And he really wants you to listen so that you can be uh, long-term, fruitful, steadfast. Let's end with that passage again, that encouragement that... Um, that, 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 that James talks about the thing James chapter 1 here we go blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him God has promised to those who love him. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. One of the ways, one of the main ways that we demonstrate that we truly love Jesus and follow him is that we obey him. We give him our thoughts, we give him our desires, we give him our time, we give him our, we give him our best. He's just so worthy of it. And we've got to give our best to something, right? <laughs> we've got to give our best to something. We're passionate people. Let's give our best to the one who made us, the one who won us, the one who laid down his life for us. Let's just throw ourselves at him with wild abandon and um, watch what he does. He's so faithful. He will keep us right through to the end. Amen.